Here on End of the Age program, we use current events to show how prophecies written 2,000 to 2,500 years ago are coming to pass right now, proving we are in the end time. We're going to analyze a few of the very foundational end time prophecies on this edition of End of the Age. Hello, everyone. I'm Dave Robbins of End Time Ministries, and I do thank you for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. Now, we do use current events on a daily basis, on our daily radio program, on our week, uh, weekly on our television programs, in our magazine, and everything else that we're involved in, End of the Age Plus, the Jerusalem Prophecy College, to show how prophecies written thousands of years ago in the Bible are coming to pass right now. And periodically, we want to make sure that you understand the prophecies in great detail. Because if I, talk, if I just come on here and talk about rate, um, world government, world religion, mark of the beast, all these different things, and don't go over the prophecy and make sure you understand them, then it all means nothing, right? So what I want to do on the next couple segments of our End of the Age program is to answer some questions that we have received from you on our social networking sites, emails, letters, and different things to make sure that everybody gleans from these questions. And they're really good, educated questions. And so that I want to cover a few of those today. So see how many we can get done before the end of the program. The first question is this, and I wanted to do this first because I wanted to make sure I could spend a little time and get through it. The first question is, the writer says, I have always been taught the four beasts of Daniel 7 are the same as the four empires in Nebuchadnezzar's vision in Daniel 2. This is very important because this is a huge teaching. However, I think you guys teach differently. Can you explain to me why you guys don't believe like that? Well, I'm going to take my time today and make sure that everybody knows why. Because if you don't get this prophecy right, this is one of the very foundational prophecies concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ in the entire Bible. And if you don't get this right, there's no way you could understand a lot of the prophecies that are given once you get to the book of Revelation and other places. So we've got to make sure we get this foundational prophecy right. Because if your foundation's not laid right and it's not level, then everything you put on top of that's going to be off, right? So we've got to make sure we get this one right. So here we go. The commonly accepted explanation of this prophecy connects Daniel 2 with Daniel 7. It says that the lion in Daniel 7 is Babylon, 
in Nebuchadnezzar's vision in Daniel 2, it says that the bear is Media Persia, the leopard is Greece, and the ten-horned kingdom is Rome. But in Daniel 8, one chapter over, it reveals a ram fighting with a he-goat. And in Daniel 8, verse 20, it says, The ram which thou sawest, having two horns, they are the kings of Media Persia, and the rough goat is the king of Grecia. So this is a very important clarification, and it contradicts the commonly accepted explanation. Now, another discrepancy is found when you consider that the kingdoms of Babylon and Media Persia, they no longer exist. And Babel, um, Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian kingdom. And when you have Media Persia, you had um, King Darius and King Cyrus. You remember, those empires, they're no longer in existence. So it, this creates a problem, doesn't it? Since the prophecy says the beasts of Daniel 7 represent the nations who will be in power at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. So it gives a very clear distinction. I mean, it's like a Grand Canyon distinction between Nebuchadnezzar's vision in Daniel 2 and the beasts that Daniel saw in Daniel 7. Okay, so let me explain. There are several ways, actually, to prove the four beasts of Daniel 7 are not the same thing as the empires in Daniel chapter 2. And one of the main things you have to understand, this is really one of the easiest proofs, is that there are actually five. If you look at a lot of the commentaries and different things, they'll say there are four empires in Daniel 2, but there are actually five on Nebuchadnezzar's statue um, in Daniel 2 and not four. Very important. Because if you try to figure all this out from there's only four, you're going to miss the empire that will be in power at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ, which is the Holy Roman Empire. It's the fifth empire on Nebuchadnezzar's vision in Daniel chapter 2. Now, I know I'm jumping back and forth, but I have to because a lot of commentaries have tied all these together. Now, in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, he dreamed of, a, he was the ruler of Babylon, you remember. He dreamed a dream. But though he knew it had an important message, he couldn't remember what his dream was. Have you ever done that? Well, through a, a series of events, Daniel, he was called upon to tell the, and interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And God allowed Daniel to dream the king's dream and to provide him its interpretation. So in Daniel chapter 2, verse 31 through 35, I'm going from the New King James Version here. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar his dream. He said, you, O king, were watching and behold a great image. This great image, whose splendor was excellent, stood before you and its form was awesome. This image's head was of fine gold, so it's a statue like or a, a soldier some type situation. It's head of fine gold, chest 
and arms of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron, and its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. And now I know we're coming up a break on a break here. I'm going to get into the rest of this scripture because I want to make sure we get this because this it's very important when you're trying to separate these two that you understand what was de- what was the symbolic of each one. So I'll we'll get back into this verse when we get back from the break. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills. But God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV. And now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time Message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Now, Daniel's telling Nebuchadnezzar his dream, and he said, You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, and it struck the image, this image that you're seeing in your dream, of the head of gold, arms and breasts of silver, belly and thighs of brass, legs of iron, feet of iron mingled with clay. It struck this image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed together. This system of world government or a global governing empires all the way back to the Nebuchadnezzar and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried uh, it away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Now, as Daniel revealed the dream the king began to remember and to acknowledge Daniel's God could indeed reveal the secrets 
of men's hearts. Well, then Daniel interpreted the dream. He told him his dream. Now he's going to interpret the dream for the king. And he gives the the interpretation in um, Daniel chapter 2, verse 37 down through, I think, 30 through 45. 37 through 45. He says, you, O king, are a king of kings. For the God of heaven has given you a kingdom, power, strength, and glory, and wherever the children of men dwell, this is a global governing empire, or the beast of the field and the birds of the, of the heaven, he has given them into your hand and has made you ruler over them all. You, O king, remember the image, your empire is the head of gold. But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, and then another after that, a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. That's the qualifier right there. Remember that statement. And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, inasmuch as iron breaks in pieces and shatters everything. And like iron that crushes, that kingdom will break in pieces and crush all the others. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and partly of clay. So the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, and it shall break in pieces, consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever." Inasmuch as you saw that stone was cut out of the mountain without hands and that it broke in pieces the iron, bronze, and clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king, you Nebuchadnezzar, what will come to pass after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation is sure. Now, it's these empires referred to in this dream They were not just any empires. They were empires that would reign over the world from the time of Nebuchadnezzar until God's return to establish his kingdom on the earth. Remember the stone that came down out of the mountain and tore down the human governments of the earth? All the way back to Nebuchadnezzar and then efforts towards a world empire. And it says it became great. Well, that was God establishing his kingdom here on the earth. Only five of these kingdoms would have dominion. The five segments of the image symbolized these five kingdoms. Notice that Daniel 2.39, again, it says, But after you shall arise another kingdom inferior to yours, then another and a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. So the five empires were the head of gold, was Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian empire, from, uh, that ruled from 604 to 539 B.C. The next empire 
was the arms and breast of silver, which was the empire of the Medes and the Persians, which was from what? 539 to 331 B.C. The belly and thighs of brass was the Grecian Empire, Alexander the Great. Uh, if we think of that empire, 331 to 197 B.C. And then the legs of iron was the Roman Empire, 197 B.C., all the way to about 284 A.D. That was in power when Jesus was here on the earth. But then you have a fifth empire. This is very, very important. The feet of iron mingle with clay. That is the Holy Roman Empire. Now, the Roman Empire ended about, what was it, 284-ish A.D. Um, 284, 287 in there. And then the Holy Roman Empire was established in 800 A.D. when Pope Leo III crowned Charlemagne the first emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. So there was an element of the iron brought in, the Roman Empire, but then there was also a religious. It was an alliance of a union of politics and religion, right? And that brought the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church in. And the Pope was the religious leader all the way through the Holy Roman Empire. There was the iron mixed with clay. And that would last until the second coming of Jesus Christ, the Holy Roman Empire, that ideology in the world. So if you notice in Daniel 2.44, it says, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, not in the days of Nebuchadnezzar, or King Darius and King Cyrus of the Medes and the Persians, in the days of these kings, the God of heaven shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces, consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. So the kings referred to in Daniel 2.44, they were symbolized by the ten toes on this image in Nebuchadnezzar's vision. The ten toes are the last part of the entire world government structure from the time of the Babylonian Empire, Nebuchadnezzar, in 600 B.C. until the second coming of Jesus Christ. These ten kings will be in coalition and support the Antichrist all the way in the end time. Actually, ahead of us now. In uh, Revelation chapter 17, verse 12, it depicts the ten king alliance that will support the Antichrist as ten horns instead of ten toes. It's the exact same thing, though. Both of the prophecies symbolize the last ten-nation union that will give its support to the person who will rule the end-time world government right before the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, this is a very key point that I want you to get. The first Four empires in Nebuchadnezzar's vision, they no longer exist. Only the final empire, even the represented by the ten toes, which would be the fifth empire, that's the only one that will be here at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's very important because we're going to see something in Daniel 7 where all of those nations will be here at the time of the second coming. Okay? 
It's very important when you're trying to determine, are these the exact same thing or are they miles apart? So that brings me to the second question here. If the four beasts in Daniel 7 are not the same as the five empires in Daniel 2, then who are they? Well, and again, I, I want to stress this. If you do not understand this prophecy, it, it, it will be impossible to understand the world government in Revelation 13, the alliance of the end-time world religious system to that world government, the origin of the Antichrist and false prophet, and many other prophecies. When you get over into Revelation 13, you're going to be clueless. Because you're going to think the lion in Revelation 13 is symbolized, uh, symbolizes, is the same thing as Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian Empire, which is absolutely impossible. The Babylonian Empire was defeated by the Medes and the Persians. Okay? So that's why I'm saying you've got to get this foundational prophecy here. Daniel 7, 1 through 3, it says this. In the first year of Belshazzar, King of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions upon his head, uh, upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and he told us some of the matters. Daniel spake and said, Wow, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And four beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. So Daniel sees four beasts here. He sees a lion with eagle's wings. He sees a bear. He sees a leopard with four heads and a beast to which Daniel could not give a name. Uh, he'd never seen a, a beast like this. But it had do, his, its dominant characteristics were the ten horns. And these symbols are interpreted for us. If you go down to Daniel 7 verse 17... It says, these great beasts which are four are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. Then if you go a little bit further to verse um, 23, it continues by saying, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all the other kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth. So the beasts, plural, symbolize kings, and according to verse 23, the beast symbolize kingdoms as well. So we know for certain these beasts represent both nations along with the rulers of those nations. And then who are these nations uh, symbolized by the animals? Well, in Daniel 7, verse 4 through 8, Daniel identifies the four beasts. And he says, hey, I saw one, a lion with eagle's wings. Well, I'm not going to take time to prove this for the sake of time here, but the lion is the modern-day nation. It said, it's told us these are going to be nations that are going to be on the earth at the time of the second coming. And they're major nations. He said, I saw a lion with eagle's wings. The lion, Great Britain, the eagle's wings that were plucked out of the lion, made stand upon a feet as a man, as a man's heart was given to it. The modern-day nation symbolized by the eagle. Of course, it's the United States. Where did we come from? Our mother country? Great Britain. The, uh, the bear, the modern nation, the Russian bear, Russia. The four-headed leopard is Germany. And the ten-horned kingdom 
will be the revival of the Holy Roman Empire from Europe. The Ten Nation Union, remember, that's going to be the same thing as the Ten Toes on Daniel, uh, in Daniel 2. Now, when will these nations exist? Again, this is very important. The Bible says in Daniel 7, 9, I beheld till the thrones of these nations were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit. So this is describing the transition from the kingdom of human government to the kingdom of God that will be established very soon on the earth. The Bible teaches when Jesus Christ returns to the earth, he will remove all human governments and he will establish a kingdom which will never pass away and will never be destroyed. So the timing of these events correlates to the end of human government and the beginning of the kingdom of God. It's given many times uh, in the Bible, uh, in, at the seventh trump in Revelation chapter 11, the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. It's, at the, it's right there at his second coming. And so the Bible explains humanity will continue on the earth for another 1,000 years after the Antichrist is destroyed. And the nations whose powers have been removed have had their lives prolonged into the millennium. And this is significant because it reveals to us Jesus Christ will return to the earth during the lifetime of these nations mentioned in Daniel 7. Now, let's summarize this because this is very, very important. The nations in Daniel 2, the Babylonian Empire of Nebuchadnezzar, Medes and the Persians, King Darius, King Cyrus... Remember when um, Daniel went into the lion's den. The, the transition happened from Nebuchadnezzar's Babylonian kingdom to the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians at the time that King Belshazzar had his, the feast where the writing on the wall that the meeny, meeny, tickle you farson, your kingdom is weighed in the balance and found wanting. Well, this night, his, that night his kingdom was taken from him The Medes and the Persians invaded and overtook them. That's when King Darius and King Cyrus took over. And when Daniel was cast into the lion's den, it was the king of the Medes, which was King Darius, that came to get him out, if you remember the story. And then it was King Cyrus that made the declaration for the Jews to go back and build their temple, which is when Zerubbabel and all them went back to build the second temple. So you can tell all those empires are gone, but the the nations in Daniel 7, they will be here at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ, which lets us know. There's many proofs. That's one of the main ways we know the nations in Daniel 7 are not the same thing as the empires in Daniel 2. Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
when you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99. You can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1 800 endtime. That's 1 800 endtime. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, part two. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. So we're finishing up our segment, or actually we're continuing on with our segment of explaining some foundational truths of Bible prophecy to help you as you go along. In the first segment, we covered the differences between uh, Daniel 2 and Daniel 7. And now I wanted to just answer a few questions to really help you kind of understand what's coming in the near future. Because that's really what prophecy does. It, it helps us with timelines and events, letting us know what's coming. And then it also builds our faith in the Word of God. So, question number three, as we continue on here, is the writer said, who will be preaching the gospel to the world in the end when the church is raptured? Okay? So... Number one, obviously we believe that the church, the um, Bible teaches a post-tribulation rapture, that the church will be here all the way through. Uh, if you understand Matthew 24, verse 29 through 31, it's in Jesus' Olivet Discourse. And the apostles took him out and said, hey, tell us, what's going to be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And then he starts to tell what it's going to be like. And in verse 29, he says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, moon shall not give her light, stars shall fall from heaven, the powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall say that they see the sign of the coming of the Son of Man. He shall send his angels with the sound of a great trump, and they shall gather his elect from the four winds. And so, because of that and many other scriptures, we believe that it's our opinion that the church will be here all the way to the end and the rapture will occur after the Great Tribulation, at the very end of the Great Tribulation period. So, knowing that, the writer asks, he believe, he, I think the writer believes in a pre-tribulation rapture. He asks, hey, if the church is gone, who's going to be left here to preach the gospel to the world because the Bible says that's going to happen. But 
he's wanting to know, hey, the church is going to be gone. Who's going to be here? Well, if you understand a post-tribulation rapture, then you understand the church is going to be here. So Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24, 13 through 14, he says this. But he that shall endure to the end. Again, this is in the Olivet Discourse here. He that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come. So, number one, the question was, who's going to be preaching the gospel if the church is gone? Well, we don't believe the church will be gone. We believe the church will be here. So, <clears throat> the, excuse me, the church in, in, um, will be teaching the gospel. Daniel eleven thirty two through 33, Bible says, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he, the Antichrist, corrupt by flatteries. So we know this is during the time of the Antichrist. It says, but the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. And yet they shall fall by the sword, by flame, by captivity, by spoil, many days. So this tells us during the time of the Antichrist, there will be people that do know their God on the earth. They will be strong. They will do exploits. And they that understand among the people shall instruct many. That's going to be the church, folks. Number two, the two witnesses will be here, right? I mean, Revelation 11, verse 3 through 12, tells us that during the final three and one half year period, they're going to prophesy for 1260 days, that they will be here during that period and they are going to be giving the Antichrist headaches. And they will be teaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. No one. God would not send anyone to preach any other message than the gospel of the kingdom of God. And so they will be ministers on the earth during the final three and one half year period. They'll be part of the church. And then also the angels right there at the very end, right? Revelation 14 Verses uh, 6 through 7. The Bible says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God, give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment is come, and worship Him, that made heaven and earth and sea and the fountains of waters. So the Bible says they're preaching to every kindred, people, tongue, and nation. Go back to Revelation chapter 7. John said, I saw a multitude no man could number out of every kindred, people, tongue, and nation. The elder looked at John and said, John, who are these people arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? John says, I don't know. Thou knowest. And the elder says, these are they that came out of great tribulation. That's when the church, that's when the two witnesses, and that's which are part of the church, and the angels that are flying through with the heavenly gospel, that's when people from every kindred people, tongue, and nation will be saved. They're going to be saved. It's going to be the greatest time of revival the world's ever known during the great tribulation. 
And so, again, I'm telling you, these are foundational Bible truths that you need to understand in the prophecy sphere, prophesying about the second coming. Now, the fourth question. The writer said, okay, I have always been taught the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven vials are tribulation judgments that they happen during the... Now, this individual believes there's going to be a seven-year tribulation, which we know that the the Bible only teaches a a three-and-one-half-year tribulation. There's no such thing as a seven-year tribulation. There will be a final seven years, yes, but the tribulation only lasts the final three-and-one-half years of that. But the individual says, hey, I believe the seven trumpets, seven vials, and the seven seals are all... I've always been taught that they're all tribulation judgments and that they will all occur during the final seven years. However, I heard you guys um, saying that that's not the case. So please help me to understand why that is not what I've always been taught. Well, or that is not the same as I've always been taught. Okay, so the seven seals, seven trumpets and seven vials, they are the skeletal structure for the book of Revelation, right? They all begin at different times in history and with the vials in the future, but they all end at the same time. And that's at the second coming of Jesus Christ and the battle of Armageddon. They all begin at different times. They all end at different times. You must understand that. The, um, for instance, if you look scripturally at these, um, where they're all, how they're all laid out, the seals begin in Revelation 4.1. It begins the account of that. And they end in Revelation 8, verses 1 and 5. But the first vials, the first four um, seals are the four horsemen, which symbolize the spiritual belief systems in the end time. And they end, if you read that account, from four over to down through the bottom of six and then over to eight, because seven is a parenthetical chapter, you see that the the sixth and seventh seal are an account of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so they all start at different times, but they all end in chapter 6 and 8, in chapter 11 with the trumpets, and in chapter 16 and 19 with the vials, they all end with an account of the second coming and the battle of Armageddon. So, the first four seals are the an, accounts of spirits that will be on the earth, the ideologies, the belief systems in the end time. The colors help to identify these spirits. The first one is white, that's Catholicism, the ideology of the belief system of Catholicism. Red is communism, black, capitalism, and green is Islamism. That's the first four seals. They are not judgments from God. Okay? The fifth seal, that's the Great Tribulation, Revelation chapter 6. But none of these are judgments from God. The Great Tribulation is not a judgment from God. That's the wrath of Satan 
That's not a judgment from God. So these are not tribulation judgments. See what I'm saying? And so then the sixth and seventh seal, that's an account of the second coming in the battle of Armageddon. So sure, at the battle of Armageddon, God's wrath is poured out. But that is at the very end of the great tribulation period. We know it's the very end of the great tribulation period because the first vial is poured out upon those who receive the mark of the beast during the tribulation period. So it happens at the very end. Now, it's the same with the seven trumpets. Remember, I said they all start at the different times. Uh, Catholicism, that belief system where the, the, um, they adopted the universal uh, doctrine of the Church of Rome, that was about, what, 300, 325 A.D., the councils of Nicaea and different ones. So that's when that seal was opened, all the way back there. But now if you come to the trumpets, the first trumpet was World War I. That seal, that trumpet was blown and that event occurred in, well, man, 1914 to 1918. So they all begin at different times, but they all end with an account of the second coming and the battle of Armageddon. Um, the second trumpet was the World War II. Third trumpet, the Chernobyl nuclear accident. But again, these are not judgments from God. Okay? These are events that occur. But they've been taught as these are tribulation judgments. Uh, again, the fourth trumpet, the speeding up of time with the tearing down of the Berlin Wall and the beginning of the process of globalization in 1989. That was not a judgment from God. The fifth trumpet, the Iraq War with Saddam Hussein, 1990, uh, 1991. And then the sixth trumpet will be World War III. That's ahead of us now. It's not happened yet. So again, these are not judgments from God. Then you get to the seventh trumpet. That's the second coming in the battle of Armageddon again. And again, the, the, um, the battle of Armageddon is God's wrath is poured out at that time, but that's at the very end of the great tribulation period. Then the seven vials are, of course, the wrath of God. So the first vial is poured out again on those that receive the mark of the beast during the Great Tribulation. And the rest of the vials are reserved for the armies. It's localized right there in Israel. They're reserved for the armies that come down against Jerusalem in the battle of Armageddon. And then the seventh vial, again, is the second coming and the battle of Armageddon. You can read the rest of account over in 19 from verse 6 on. And so because 17 and 18, again, are parenthetical or um, explanatory chapters about the judgment of the false religious system in the end time. So as you can see, most of the seals, trumpets are not, seals and trumpets are not judgments from God, and most do not occur during the Great Tribulation. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high-traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Okay, so I'll see how many more of these questions I can get to before we end here today. The individual wrote me a, a, an email and said, I believe that the he in Daniel 9.27 is, um, that that was fulfilled by Jesus Christ. And yet you guys teach that the Antichrist is the he that's mentioned in Daniel 9.27. Where do you find the Antichrist mentioned in Daniel 9.27? Okay. So, for everybody listening and watching today, Daniel 9.27 says, And he, the he's who we're talking about here, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. The person writing me the email said that they believe Jesus, when he, when he was uh, crucified, that that ended the sacrifice. And, and, and the Bible, it goes on to say, and for the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, uh, and that determined shall be poured out upon the desolate. That's Daniel 9.27. So uh, this, the, the writer of the email, along with many others, claim that the he is, uh, was Jesus Christ, and yet others say that it will be the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church that is the he of Daniel 9.27. So, okay, so here's the question. Who is the he in Daniel 9.27 that will confirm the covenant? So this is really an easy question to answer because the he does three things. He will confirm the covenant. He causes the sacrifice and the offering to cease the sacrifice and the offering actually continued after Jesus was crucified, you understand, for a period of time there. He did not cause it to, he didn't show up and say stop and they stop it. Didn't happen that way. They still went on for a while sacrificing in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount after Jesus was crucified. But number three, uh, he sets up the abomination of desolation. So, of course, if you go to Daniel 11, verse 21 through 22, it states that the Antichrist, the final king of the north, will be the prince of the covenant. So it's the Antichrist that will confirm the covenant. There's proof number one. Number two, Daniel eleven thirty one says the Antichrist and his partners will take away the daily sacrifice. They will cause the sacrifice to cease. So that's the second proof that it's the Antichrist. Number three, Daniel 11.31 also says that the Antichrist and his partners will place the abomination that make it desolate. So, Daniel 9.27 and the proofs in Daniel 11, the Antichrist confirms the covenant. He's the prince of the covenant. 
The Antichrist causes the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. The Antichrist places the abomination of desolation. He stands in the temple claiming to be God. So it's easy. The he in Daniel 9.27 is the Antichrist. But let's go one step further than that. Let's do a little grammar lesson here. Daniel chapter 9 verse 26 because the writer, I remember the email. The writer told me that, don't you believe Jesus was the Messiah in 926? I said, well, absolutely. He said, well, that's who it's talking about in 927. I said, no, that's not necessarily the case. You understand there's a colon there and blah, blah, blah. And so I, for you, the one that are watching and listening, Daniel 9, 26 and 27 says this. And after three score and two weeks, the prophecy actually starts in 24, but me and the, the gentleman was going back and, and forth on 26 and 27. It says, after three score and two weeks, the Messiah shall be cut off. Yes, I absolutely believe that was Jesus, but not for himself. And then it's got a colon, and it says, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of of the war, desolations are determined. Then it goes into 27. That was verse 26. It goes into 27. It says, and he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. So it says, remember the colon, it says, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Then in 27, and he shall confirm the covenant. So anytime you have a masculine Pronoun, the he. In order to know who it is, you go back to the previous mentioned masculine noun. And so the last mentioned masculine noun in verse 26, when it says that the people of the prince that shall come, the prince that shall come is the last mentioned masculine noun. And then it says, he shall confirm the covenant. So it's absolute proof. It's not going back to Messiah, but it's going back to the prince, okay? So we have absolute proof that he, in Daniel 9, 27, is the Antichrist. And, of course, it's going to be easy to recognize who the prophecies are. If you tie this prophecy in with all of the other 50 plus prophecies about the Antichrist in Scripture, folks, we're going to know who he is. It's going to be easy to recognize who, and and as a matter of fact, God made it easy for us to be able to recognize who the Antichrist is in the end time. Again, there are over 50 prophecies of the Antichrist in Scripture. Um, The Antichrist is a man, Daniel 7, 24 through 25. uh, He will confirm the covenant um, for seven years. Daniel 9, 27. He will arise among ten kings. Daniel 7, 8. The, the ten-nation union will be a revived, um, a revived Holy Roman Empire. Daniel 2, 44. That will form an alliance with this Antichrist. He will uproot three kings. Daniel 7, 8. About uprooting the three horns, remember? The little horn. His ten-nation union will merge into a world government which he will dominate. Revelation 13, 1 and 2. Uh, he will ascend to power on a platform of peace. And flattery, and he will be, um, and, and will be uh, by peace 
destroy many. Many. Daniel 8, 25. He's going to be promoted by a a miracle-working religious partner, the false prophet in the end time. That's Revelation 13, 11 through 12. The beast, which was and is not and yet is, Revelation 17, 8. I mean, the world government over which the Antichrist rules will be a red, communistic or socialistic government, Revelation 17, 3. Folks, that's only what? Um, Eight or ten of the proofs of who the Antichrist will be. There are over 50. So we're going to know who he is. And with all the proofs and everything that ties in together, we know that the he in Daniel 9.27 is in fact the Antichrist. It's not Jesus. It's not whoever the Pope is at the time. In the future, it will be the Antichrist, this political leader that comes out of the Holy Roman Empire, the reborn Holy Roman Empire, which is the current European Union. And you know, I'm glad that all them prophecies are in there. I mean, the Lord certainly wants us to, to be able to recognize him when he comes to power, right? Because I don't want anything to do with him. I, I guess I shouldn't say that because I'd love to meet him and let him know what it's like to shake hands with somebody who's full of the Holy Ghost. Because he is not going to be full of the Holy Ghost, I can promise you. And so um, I don't want to have anything to do with him, but I'd love to meet him. And uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Maybe God will let that happen. I don't know. Um, but I certainly will not be pledging allegiance to him or taking his mark. I can guarantee you that. Now, finally, I think I'm only going to have time. I may not even get to answer this whole question. I don't know. But the individual wrote and was basically saying, you know what? I'm scared and I need help. Second Peter 3.10 states that, but the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. So the writer told me, if I remember correctly, that they had a pastor that had told them that they were already living in the 1,000 years and that Satan was already bound. But they they said, um, however, you guys teach that there will be nations left on the earth. That's in Daniel 7. Their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. How can this be if everything will be destroyed with an intense heat on the day of the Lord or at the second coming? So you have to understand the prophecy of the new heaven and the new earth. Now, I will tell you, because I don't think I'm going to get there, so I want to make sure I, I, I sock this in right here because I don't want to go new heaven and new earth and then not get to this. When the elements melt with a fervent heat at the time of the second coming of Jesus Christ, it appears that that is talking about the nuclear weapons that will be used at the Battle of Armageddon, which is localized right there in Israel when the armies come down against Israel to battle. We know nuclear weapons will be mentioned there. It's mentioned back in Zechariah. Um, that their eyes will consume in their sockets, their tongue in their mouth. It's the effects of a, a nuclear um, holocaust and, or a nuclear weapon going off. So that's what it's talking about uh, when it talks about the elements melting with a fervent heat. It is not the entire world because we know that there will be a 1,000-year millennial reign and that there will be mortals that live into the 1,000-year millennial reign. And so the Bible says a sinner dying at a hunter will be considered but a child. There will be mortals here on the earth. The saints at that time will be ruling and reigning as kings and priests in that physical kingdom here on the earth. 
But the, there will be mortals that live into that as well. So the entire earth is not going to be burned up. So you can relax somewhat not knowing that. Now, number one, make sure you're born again. If you're born again, you don't have to worry about anything burning up or you don't have to worry about that. Because you're born again, when the rapture occurs, you're out of here. And you will be immortal at that point. So the number one thing here is make sure you're born again. But that's what it's referring to when it says the elements will melt with a fervent heat. But it also says at this time, and it tells us this in many places, I'm not going to get near, I'm not going to be able to answer this question, honestly. I don't have much time left. But when it talks about a new heaven and a new earth, it prophesies about it in Isaiah. It prophesies about it in Revelation chapter 21, a new heaven and a new earth. It's simply talking about a reset of the earth. Kind of like after there was a reset of the earth with when Noah and the flood, only eight souls were saved. It had become so debauchous and so much sinful that God said, hey, there's got to be a complete reset. That's kind of what it's going to be at the time of his second coming. So when it talks about a new heaven and earth, the old things are passed away and everything, that's kind of what it's talking about. That type of situation, the earth is not going to be destroyed at the second coming. And so we need to be very important that we understand these things. And uh, man, I wish I could, maybe on Friday or something, maybe uh, or maybe one of the programs coming up, we can get into um, the new heaven and the new earth and what that's all about. Uh, because I'm going to be there, but I'm going to be an immortal individual. Not going to be a, a, a physical human. I'm going to be immortal. I'm born again. I'm going to live with Jesus Christ. I'm going to be a king and priest with him in that 1,000-year millennial reign. Uh, but I hope that's answered your questions on these segments of End of the Age. And I just want you to make sure you understand the prophecies in great detail. Because if you understand the prophecies, then you know what to look for in the news. And when we talk about these current events and we rattle them off all the time, you can say, oh yeah, that fits with this prophecy. Now I know where we're at. And here, and this one here, and wow, it fits with many of the prophecies. It's very important. We want to keep you educated on what's coming in the very near future, understanding Bible prophecy. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.